are live at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, California. It is uh, February 29th, 1940. We're in the beautiful Coconut Grove here. And uh, it's time for the big award of the night. Ugh, the biggest award of the night. The envelope, please. And the winner is... Gone with the wind. Yes, that's right. The Any nineteen thirty nine best picture winner. <laughs> Gone, Gone with, with the, the wind. wind. Okay, so if you guys listened last week, you know we broke down all of the nine Literally other. Literally went nominees. through every single one. We did, and here's the deal: we've come to the actual winner now, and it is a little. <laughs> when you think about it, it is a little silly, like. Gone with the Wind, just like far and away is the best movie of the year. You know, like even as good as those other movies are. Yes. Gone with the Wind is just in a class of, you know, in a class of its own. It is, it's, it's, it's really funny when you, um, if you were like, if you were going on the quest that we're going on Mm -hmm. and you're watching the best pictures, um, you could watch any of the other nominees and they all feel like movies that might have won Best Picture in a previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the quality is like the best of what we've seen. But Gone with the Wind, it, it's so ahead of its time in storytelling, in performance, in cinematography, and special effects. In special and effects. Everything. It is, it is just a benchmark. Mm-hmm in the history of motion pictures and and it's there's just like no there's no rivaling it, rivaling it in exactly. this year and there are probably very few years where this wouldn't win best picture and that's the thing it's like we you know we talked about the other nominated films it's like without gone with the wind any of those movies could have won best picture but then you talk about gone with the wind and gone with the wind could probably win best picture in any of the other Academy years. It's such you a, know? a force of nature as a movie. Now, I, I, I like Scarlett O'Hara goes through the Civil War. I don't know why you need a description. Um, <laughs> yes, I mean that's that's the plot. <laughs> uh, uh, Civil War and Reconstruction. And the Reconstruction. Um, word, yeah. Now it's important to acknowledge the fact that there are some troubling perspectives in this movie. Yes. Um, problematic is a good way to put that. Uh, this movie does take place from the southern point of view. Um, mm-hmm. of the Civil War. Yeah. Which means Go that... Go get them you, Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> which you is get said every very, <laughs> You get, like, Yankees are very disparaged throughout the film. Yeah. You get the Confederate viewpoint, um, and the big problem that that presents is the way that African Americans are depicted in the film. Slavery. Um, slavery. And this movie is kind of a double-edged sword because it reinforces some stereotypes um, that make black people out to be second-class citizens. Very much so. But it also provides more multi-dimensional characterizations than many movies had mm-hmm. up until that point. And it facilitates Hattie McDaniel winning a very deserved Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Definitely. Um but she's playing a character named Mammy, who doesn't have her real name. Doesn't have a real name. I mean... And she, you know, her entire role, her entire career as this character of Mammy is to just look after this family. You know, yeah. she is a slave her entire life. I listened to... Uh, another, I'll give a shout-out to a podcast called Unspooled, uh, and Amy Nicholson talked about this movie. It's one of her favorite films. She's a really great film critic. 
Um, and she talked about how she actually views this movie, um, she thinks the movie is basically showing how dumb the Confederacy is. It's <laughs> yeah. um, interesting. Which is an interesting... Way to look at it, yeah. Because uh, towards the beginning of the movie... Clark Gable is shown to be the smart one because he's the one opposed to going into the war because he realized the North is going to crush the South. Uh-huh. Um, and he is a pacifist who doesn't get involved until the very end when it's a dying cause. Um, and Scarlet ends up realizing that you can't wallow in sorrow and you have to just like if you can't beat them join them you have to move on you have you know a huge part of the second half of the movie is moving on but this the sad thing about the movie well the reality and i guess the sad thing is the fact that ultimately the ethics and the morals as questionable as they are for these characters in regards to slavery is not is not an important point in the film. Nope. It's a sidebar, and it's it's a setting that is simply used to tell a story about survival. Yeah. And so when you go into this movie, you kind of have to view it from a historical perspective and realize, like, okay, people thought some things that were not correct in 1939. That shades the way this movie is played. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people can't really get around that and so they can't watch things like this yes but ultimately um i actually saw a panel uh about this movie at the tcm film festival a few months ago which included three um african-american uh film professors and historians and they took it from the perspective of you know this is what history was and we need to watch this to, we watch this to learn about history, mm-hmm. um, to appreciate it for the storytelling aspects and the um, cultural aspects that exist. And you can't ignore what has happened. You can't ignore, and I would go on to say you can't ignore um, the perspectives of other people, even if they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, in a much more extreme case, like the reason we still watch the uh, propaganda films that Hitler made in the 30s is because that stuff is is culturally important and it teaches us something Definitely. about ourselves. And my argument would be, getting very deep here, Love this. my argument would be that the contradictions that exist within Gone with the Wind in regards to this issue in particular are probably more representative of what America is than I've seen in any other film because America is this two step forward one step back culture mm-hmm. in regards to race relations in regards to gender equality in regards to the way we view minorities and women oh yeah in regards and to a lot of things in regards to a lot of things and, and we also are a very prideful country we don't want it's um it's it's kind of an annoying thing where it's like oh yeah we really messed up back in those times, let's be hush hush about it. Yes, but or that's let's shade it in a way that looks prettier. Exactly, you know that's but where you can run into that trouble with Hollywood films. See, it does, but it's interesting because I've read the book and the book is much more racist than the movie is, much yes. more overtly so. Um, it uses the N word and things like that. Right, but. 
the movie is also very anti-war in a lot of ways because it shows how awful that devastation is. Definitely, and you see that through Scarlet, which is mm-hmm. she is the vessel in this film, you know, and you're seeing her react to this war mm-hmm. on a first-hand basis and how horrible she's realizing it is and how yes. it's not going to be this simple little fight that, no. she, you know, the very young, naive Scarlet thought it was in the beginning. No, excuse me, and... Um, and you, like, the you can't understate how good Vivian Lee is in this movie. It is probably, in terms of length, oh God. the heaviest role that a, a major actress ever took on in a Hollywood film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is... I think easily probably one of the top five female performances of all time. Oh yeah, like the word powerhouse performance, you know, kind of gets thrown around a lot when people review movies and whatnot, and I feel like it definitely applies to Vivian Lee in this movie. Just the amount of things she had to do, the amount of emotions. And the transformation this character yes, goes through. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, I would look at the script and I'd be like, where do I even start, you know? No. But you see everything she goes through. It's and such this a beautifully is, played arc. This character could so easily be seen as just a bitch. Mm-hmm. But she, she is able to layer this character in a way. It's just remarkable. Like, this never, there's always what she's saying and what she's looking like and what's going on in her head, there's like always three things going on at once. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like this anti-hero, you know, yeah. where she represents a cause that we know fails and she also represents like an attitude and a way of life that we know eventually fails as well and you're watching her realize that it's failing and that she has to change. Just overcome and do whatever she is is in her wheelhouse be it marrying men she doesn't love. Oh, God, yeah. Or, um, <laughs> always dying. <laughs> always. Or, uh, you know, taking over her second husband's business so that yeah. she can make it into something successful and working with the Yankees to do that, yeah. no matter what society thinks about it. Exactly. Um, I mean, like, this is such a strong female performance, and you have to put yourself in the 30s when this book was released, when the movie was released in the early 40s when it was it premiered at the very end of 1939 so most people saw it later in the 40s um this is right before women are going to essentially be running the country for a few years because all the men are at war so the women are the one women are the one ones working in the factories this is right uh, the book is released right in the middle of the great depression and here in the middle of all that you have this book come out that is dealing directly with overcoming the worst things yeah to survive and so ultimately the reason this movie takes off when it does historically isn't just because it's a well-told story but it's also because it is so relevant to what was happening in America at that time definitely 100% um and I, from a historical perspective, this movie is also so important because the book was such a mammoth success. It was number one on the New York Times bestseller list for two years in a row. Um, it, 
everybody read it. It's one of the best-selling novels of all time. Everybody had an opinion about the casting. Right. Um, Which was huge. David O. Selznick took on the production with his independent company. And so this is a movie that is released in the height of the studio system that has some financial backing and distribution from MGM, but it's made independently otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, It basically, the MGM deal only happened to get Clark Gable. Um, There you go. So this is a movie that's made in more of the way that movies will be made later. Yeah. Um, With an early example of that. Exactly. And you have this incredible performance at the center of all of it. Um, and you have incredible, like the whole supporting cast mm. is so memorable. Um, but more than that, I, I mean, like, and it's Technicolor at its best. It looks incredible. It's stunning, yeah. I, I like, I can't understate how advanced this movie was for its time and how big a deal the movie was because of the way the book had been such a success. Yes. Making. This was a blockbuster like nobody had ever seen, and it's mm-hmm. still the highest grossing movie ever adjusted for inflation. Yes, it is. I mean, that's my little spiel about... Definitely. No, it's great because it's like, I know how much you love this movie, uh-huh. and I like this movie a lot, too, mm-hmm. so it's fun to kind of hear where you come from on what your appreciation of this movie is totally about. And it's just a level of respect. You really have to respect this film and what it did for that time and what it's continuing to do for movies even today. You know, and also the fact that this movie is so long. It is. It has a built-in intermission, you know, where it's like 10 minutes of just orchestral music. Which is what, which was not, uh, that becomes common for a while later, but it, it was does. not common, common at the time. But that's the thing, like, this this became an event movie, you know? It's like... It's just, um, yeah, the event movie. Uh... uh Oh, Sam, you said something so astute. My, his name's Sam, by the way. My name's Rance. I don't know if we said that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Sam and Rance are here. Sam and Rance. <laughs> um, what did I say that was so brilliant? Please tell me. I love being reminded of my brilliance. Oh. <laughs> Sam. Sam's wearing glasses. I am. So he's extra smart. <laughs> I just have eye contacts. So. I feel like being more studious today. So I wore glasses. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's great. I, I, I saw it for the first time. I've seen it many times. I saw it for the first time as like a, as like a rite of passage almost because it's, I grew up in the South. I don't know if this dictates anything, but, um, you know, I watched it when I was 10 years old and I was allowed to stay up late because it was playing later on TV. Mm. Um, so I stayed up till one o'clock. To watch Ooh, Gone with the Wind, and and I came away from that just like totally an odd story. But then I ended up getting a making of book um, about the movie, and the making of book is what made me kind of obsessed with it. Yes, um, and that always happens. though. whenever I watch a movie that I love, I have to seek out like any kind of making of either documentary about it, book or something, and that's that's where like your level of appreciation for the film can even grow, yeah, like exponentially higher because you realize how much work they put in, like. How how long did Gone with the Wind shoot for? How many days do you know? I don't know the specific number of days. I know I've read that figure before, yeah. but it started filming. It filmed uh, the burning of Atlanta first because right. what they did is they in December of thirty eight, 
they cleared the RKO Back 40, is what it was called. Uh, Selznick was leasing studio space from RKO in Culver City, uh, really close to where MGM was. It's still, the studio still exists. It's owned by Amazon, or is being leased by Amazon mm-hmm. now. Um, Culver Studios, uh, big colonial front of the mansion. It's the very first shot in the film uh, when it shows the Selznick okay. logo. If you ever want to visit it, it's a beautiful colonial front. It's on Washington Boulevard in Culver City. Anyway, um, Selznick was leasing that space. There was a back lot that doesn't exist anymore, but at the time it did, um, that had the sets from King Kong and a bunch of other RKO movies and some Selznick productions. And they burned those back lot sets to make way for Atlanta and Terra. Right. Um, and uh, they filmed the burning to be the burning of Atlanta. And uh, it was actually there that Selznick met Vivian Lee because Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier came guest of Selznick's brother, Myron, who was their agent. And Myron introduced Selznick to Vivian Lee. Scarlett wasn't cast yet. They right. were shooting in one month and they had cast Scarlett. And he said, David, here's your Scarlett. Uh, <laughs> what a way to come into pictures. I know. Um, and she's... Yeah, I mean, I th- there couldn't be enough to say about her performance in no. this movie. Legendary. This is one of those movies, like you said, it's like it's, it's a rite of passage for anybody. It's you have to watch this movie at some point in your life, just it's because just so it is such an important film. Clark in Gable, our oh American my gosh. film history. We haven't talked about Clark Gable. We haven't, and here's the deal too. Like Clark Gable in this movie is also phenomenal. He is so good. This was my introduction to Clark Gable. I watched this as a kid as well, because it was my sister's favorite movie. I remember watching it with her. And when I first watched it, I was like, I was a little confused because I was like, Clark Gable looks so much older than Vivian Lee. But he's supposed to be. But he's supposed to be. Yes. Yes. And I remember as a kid being like, why why are these two getting romantically involved? (laughs) Um, But he's now it's like, why is Clark Gable so young? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And he is. He's so pretty in this movie, too. He he's is. very attractive. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like this is and like they a, have such good chemistry. They do. And this is the pinnacle Clark Gable performance. You know, oh. this really is. When I think of Clark Gable, I think of Rhett Butler, as I think most people do. And also, like, the first shot of him in this movie, too. It's coming great. down that staircase right into his face as he turns around and breathes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, it's a great... Tra- I, it's lots a of great, great tracking shots yeah. in 39. We tracking learned how to, to, like, we've learned how to move the camera since the Broadway melody of so excited I, for cinematographers. It, it's incredible <laughs> when you think about the fact that Broadway Melody was made 10 years before this movie. Oh, the so advancements happens. in technology between 29 and 39. Like, so this incredible. is... I mean, yeah, I mean, the film industry was just like the fastest growing industry ever. And yeah. just the... Making know, Los Angeles like the fastest growing town. Definitely. The achievements well. that are so evident in this movie. Uh, but then we'll get into supporting players. Like, I, you know, Hattie McDaniel is so good in this movie and like you said Hattie McDaniels is able to bring those extra layers Mm -hmm. into these very stereotyped characters Mm -hmm. where you know you watch this movie and you kind of forget that Mammy is a servant she's a part of their family and they treat her that way you know she she cries with them she laughs with them she makes fun of them you she's know, like the she's moral center to. of the film. She is. And like, the, her, she has a scene, there's a hilarious scene towards the beginning of the movie where she's like dressing Scarlet for the barbecue and she's trying to cinch her waist and, and she says something like, I haven't noticed Mr. Ashley asking for her to marry you. Mm-hmm. And then there's a gifable 
moment of of Scarlet turning around to look at her in the eye. Um, by gifable, I mean as you've probably seen it as a gif at some point. Yes. Um, but uh, towards the end of the movie, after so many spoilers, after <laughs> Bonnie, after Bonnie dies, Clark at Clark, Rhett and Scarlet's daughter. Um, she has a scene with Olivia de Havilland where they're going up the stairs of the mansion and it's just, she just gets to tell Olivia the whole, the whole story of what's been happening in the house the last couple days. And it's, it's such a great, it's such a great performance moment. It is so good. And she is like, you're right. She is like this moral center in the film from beginning to end, no matter what she says, it's the truth it's the honest way to look at things and that's why I think Scarlet always keeps her close because Scarlet needs her she needs she you is know? and Red needs her more too. so than Scarlet's own mother in the movie oh yeah she's the mother figure she is the mother figure especially since her mother passes away she does um spoilers so it's, many spoilers if you haven't so seen this good. movie Hattie McDaniel's so good and also it's the thing where Hattie McDaniel has been you know playing these servant characters um in big movies since you know the talkies, you know she's in Showboat. She's in. Uh, um, she's in a movie called Alice Adams. Alice Adams uh, yes, uh, and always has that wonderful like wit. She has that smile she'll give, and she doesn't go it all the time. She'll smile at you, and she just, knows what you're thinking. But she's wonderful. She's wonderful. It's so good. And then we go to uh, Olivia de Havilland <laughs> um, playing Melanie. Olivia de Havilland. Uh, was not happy that she didn't win. She was not happy. Um, Let the record state that she left the Academy Awards when she lost the award. And who was it? David O. Selznick's wife, Irene. Irene. Yeah. Who was the daughter of Louis B. Mayer of MGM. Yes, basically told her to grow up and get her butt back out there and applaud her co-star. And she did. And, she did. and Olivia ended up winning too. Yeah, she's, Oscar. she was she's taken fine. care of. We'll she's get to her again later. Yeah. Um, um, and she's great in this movie. She she's is great in this movie. And another year, I mean, like, if Hattie didn't exist in this movie, I can see her winning. Yeah. But um, but Olivia is, I mean, she's always great. I don't, as she plays Melanie to perfection. I mean, like, this is a great cast. Like, there really isn't. No kidding. And I would even say, too, um, what's his fuss? Uh, Ashley. Um, Leslie Howard. Leslie Howard could have warranted a supporting actor nomination. I think he does a lot in this he's, movie. He's the one who's only, like, he seems a little old for what he's playing. Yeah, he is like, a character that I, more than Scarlet, wanted to slap across the face, because I'm like, dude, yes, Scarlet comes on to you, and she shouldn't, but you also play into it, and you are no better than her. He kisses her. I mean, Totally. Like, you know, he's no. also kind of a despicable, crummy character in this movie, too. He's a, he's a weakling, too, but I totally get it. It's totally... <laughs> Like, who knows better than a gay man lusting after something you can't have? I uh, mean... Uh, ain't that the truth. Um, ain't that the truth. Yeah, but yeah, all around this movie is wonderful. I mean, everything about it, the costumes, just the height of this movie. There's that I shot like she's should... walking across the street and the camera oh, pulls back and you just see, see all the... the thousands of wounded and dead soldiers on the ground. And that's the moment for Scarlet. You know, it's, it's that loss of innocence moment that we see so much in these movies where nothing is the same from that point on for her because she has now been introduced to the realities and the horrors of life and the horrors that war can bring that she can't go back. She can either stay frozen where she's at or she can move forward. 
and she thankfully chooses to move forward. I think it's interesting. Now, this movie won eight competitive Oscars and two special awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so a total of ten. The record is eleven. The record, and definitely the record. No at that point. hair and makeup Oscar existed. And it would have gone to this movie. And no costume design. Hands down it would have gone to this movie. So I would say there's a good chance. And also, there's a couple of... I mean, like, it's interesting that it didn't win... Uh, Sound recording, for instance, it's interesting that it didn't, yes. it's interesting that it didn't win um, score. It didn't win score, right? It didn't win score. What won score? Uh, Wizard of Oz. Okay, that makes sense. Which you can understand. <laughs> Although I can also like comment the win but score. But the is score so is revolutionary. So amazing! It is one of those scores where you listen to it and it's just so epic. Yeah. It's so good. Oh man, it's. It's interesting because I think that had some of the categories that didn't exist yet existed, this movie might have the record. Might have the record, and it's also interesting that it's only one Oscar away from the top five. Yes, what are these two special awards you're talking about? It um, won. Hold on, it won uh, William Cameron Menzies, who did the um, art direction for the movie and storyboarded the whole film. Okay. He won a, a special award for the enhancement of dramatic mood in the production of Gone with the Wind. Gotcha. A use of color, which this is, having seen several color movies from this time period, this one is far and away the most realistic looking color film at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, it also won... Uh, was it the Thalberg Memorial Award? Yes, uh, Selznick, Selznick, which he got for producing producing Gone with the Wind. So that's the thing: eight competitive Oscars, two Mm -hmm. special Oscars. Yes, and like also, what's crazy is like you know, for a movie in this time, we haven't really seen a movie sweep past winning five Oscars. Yes, you know, so to win eight in nineteen thirty nine, which didn't happen, like that's a huge thing for a movie to win. Almost every category was nominated in. Uh, I mean, it's it's huge. And this held the record up until... Then her? Yeah, for the most. Well, Gigi, I think. Gigi, you're right, because yeah. that won nine. Nine. It, won, it, it held the record until then. Right, that um, was, yeah, you're right, the 50... But again, hair, makeup, costume. And that's the thing, it absolutely would have won both of those. That would have been ten competitive Oscars. Yes. I mean, um, like, you can't understate... This movie is number... Six on the current AFI list. Makes sense. Was in the inaugural Library of Congress National Film Registry. Um, it is just, yeah, it's American filmmaking at its greatest. It's, it's, it's everything we talked about, you know, with last week's episode, with the golden year of Hollywood, how everything on this, you know, uh, movie factory machine making thing all fell into place in this movie. And every department was working at the top of their game. And it should be, I mean, like, it's fitting that this movie came out right at the end of 1939, because it's like the whole great year builds up to the crown jewel. Crown jewel. And... What is your favorite part of this movie? Um, I love the part um, in the first half of the film mm-hmm. where uh, Scarlett is working at the makeshift hospital that's in a church yep. and there's this evacuation happening of Atlanta 
and she has to run through the streets. Yes. Um, She's trying to get back. And there's they're setting off the explosions while that's happening so they can get rid of the ammunition so the Yankees don't take the ammunition. It's it really it's a great war on the home front scene. Yes. I also love the very end of the first half where she makes her pledge to never go hungry again, which has mm-hmm. the most epic pullback shot. And um, the music! And, and the then music the score so comes good. in. Oh, it's so beautiful. Honestly, there's the moment where Gone with the Wind flashes across the screen uh, at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, you know you're in for a ride. I mean... This is, when people think, like, what is a movie? This is the answer. Yeah, and for me personally, like, I, being a person who is uh, so not a fan of movies that run really long, longer than two hours, this movie warrants it. And something, you can't tell this story. You cannot tell this story on a small scale. Like, which, you know, to be fair, we saw a movie like Wuthering Heights where that's a mammoth novel as well. They took parts but of the novel exactly, out and they... But they were able to cut it down and still tell a great story. You can't really do that with Gone with the Wind. You have to tell the entire thing. Well, it's... The only thing you could have done is poten- potentially is to break it up into two films. But even then... It still would have been it, it's, two two-hour-long films. It still would have And there's something about... Something... Like, uh, I heard Olivia Havilland talk about it once. What a lady. Uh, Only surviving member of the cast, and she dies at the end of the film. Um, (laughs) She sure does. uh, She said, like, something happens every two minutes in the movie. And the reason why it... It's, like, it's interesting, because we'll get to Lawrence of Arabia later, which is a which is a much, which has more quote-unquote action in it, but has a lot less plot in it. Yes. And... That's a different example of what a long movie can look like. But yes. this long movie is long simply because there's so much story to get through. So much story. And 100%. and for a movie that ultimately, in its epic scale, and one of the reasons why an epic like this one works, is because it's still ultimately the story of this one person and her life. And she, her art needs all the things that happen to happen in order for her to get to the moment she ends the mm-hmm. movie with. And it's a very satisfying totally. arc. Yeah. It's... Because it's, it's like she... It's, it's a story about hope, you know, and she... Survival. Hope and survival, and she loses that hope and that will to, like, move on for so long until the very end when she realizes, you know, in that line, tomorrow is another day, and she finally realizes that, like, the hope has to come from within her. She can't get it from Red. She can't get it from these other people in her life, she has to have the hope. And she's realized that she's survived this entire thing that she She is her own hero. She can still do it. Exactly. And that's what everyone needs to realize in themselves as well, which is why I think this movie is so popular because we all need to rely on ourselves and feel that way about ourselves because that's where your true power is. Oh, how inspirational that all is. It so is. It's um, a great movie. It, it is, really is wonderful. It and is it's, a great film. This yeah. is... It's one of those movies where it, it definitely is like, it's before you die, you have to see this movie. Everything, and everything that we've been doing on this podcast so far leads up to this movie. To this movie, yeah. Um, 
this year and this film. Mm -hmm. This also, I should, before we sign off about 1939, (laughs) I did mention in the last episode, this was the first ceremony hosted by Bob Hope. Oh, yay! Um, (laughs) What a a fitting start for him. (laughs) He has a line in the movie, a line in the... uh, and during the ceremony, like after a bunch of awards had gone to Gone with the Wind before they gave out Best Picture, he said, uh, it's really nice of us, uh, it's really nice of everybody here having this little gathering for David Selznick. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. And that's so great. We're oh. getting, like the witty hosts are being added to the ceremony now. They have to poke fun at Hollywood. You have to. He also said, like they had all the Oscars on display on the stage at this point in time, and he like looked behind him and said, all these Oscars. Looks like Betty Davis's garage. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure she appreciated that. And she was like, it does not, but it should. Yes, yeah. so even with like adding Bob Hope to ceremony, we're getting even closer to like it's... what we know and recognize the Oscars as today. Like it's becoming... Still a banquet, but still like, a couple years off we're from... getting there, we're getting you know? There. Um, we're getting there. And this is like the really, the first true movie to sweep. I know we talked about it happened one night sweeping the, the top... Prizes, Five awards, but, this but like one, this one above and beyond that, it's it's it was gone for Wednesday night. Yep, and and it's as deserved as anything in Oscar history. Definitely, it's so good. This movie is great. It's great. It's it's a great film. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, like what have you been doing? What have you been doing? Like get on that. Just watch it. Take a night, watch it. You'll love it. You know. You'll love or it. two nights if you have or two. to. You can it's, break it into pieces. You break it down if you have to. It is a lot to digest, but it's it's worth it. All right, what are we talking about next week? Next week we are the forties. We're getting into the forties and, and Hitchcock, and we get to watch a Hitchcock movie. We do his first American produced film. Still takes place in England, but an American produced movie by David O. Selznick. Hey, look at that! His follow up to Gone with the Wind. Yes. Um, a movie called Rebecca. Yes, and I've seen Rebecca. I know you've seen Rebecca. I love Rebecca. I love Rebecca too. And uh, Rebecca's one, another one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, but it had some stiff competition in 1940. It really and did. And so we get to review a few of those movies as well. And I'm excited too, yes. And um, we'll talk all about that. And we'll talk all about that. I think the big the big thing in 1940, though, was talking about those actress categories. <sighs> Oh, and what because, a blessing. Oh, and it's so Because 1940 good. is an interesting best actress year, and it's an interesting best supporting actress year. It is. Um, so we'll talk all about that next week. We sure will. <laughs>